Hey, everybody. Oh, I totally was waiting for that. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Reason. You want to stop and record? No, we're it? good. We're okay. good. All right, here we you go. Let me clap for you. Nope, I'm good. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And as you read along with us or you listen to these podcasts and questions arise, there's two things I would tell you to do. One, write down the question and then send it in to us because we enjoy spending time at the last Friday of every month to uh, answer some of these questions. Just like we, this last Friday, we just dropped a podcast uh, specifically answering questions. So if you want to go check that out, feel free to. But please feel free to send in those questions to info at grove.church or you can DM our Facebook page at the Grove Church on Facebook. Please yeah, do. Absolutely. So uh, I said this on the Q&A episode, but I'll just reiterate it again. Uh, I'm a little bit under the weather right now, so uh, I'm sorry if my voice is a little bit deeper and harder to listen to. It or sounds maybe better it's, than it's maybe ever it sounds sounded. better. Um, but I might have to stop mid-talking to cough, and I'm going to do my best to uh, to hit the mute button so it's not gross <laughs> over the podcast. But, or loud uh, or obnoxious. Yeah. So if you wonder why, um, that is what's going on. So our first uh, section that we're going to talk about today is Isaiah. And this week we're reading uh, Isaiah chapter 40 through 54. Um, and this is really a great tonal shift, I'll say, of um, of the book. And so a lot of the book has kind of been like, you know, God's wrath and God's punishment and stuff like that. And really in these chapters, it's mostly focused on um, the peace, a time of peace that is going to come over Israel. And so all I'll say is um, I don't necessarily want to highlight one specific section of it, but as you're reading it, I just want to make sure that we all have in mind um, the history of what happened to Israel. And at this time, it is a prophecy of what is going to happen to Israel. But remember that Israel, and, and when I say Israel, I mean Israel and Judah, so the north and the south, so northern people. and southern kingdoms. Yeah, God's people. That's a great way of saying it. Um, have been at war for a long time. So um, the northern kingdom at this point, I believe, has already fallen um, to the Assyrians. The southern kingdom is the Assyrians are coming in, they're raiding and they're pillaging. Eventually Babylon is going to conquer them um, and they're going to be sent into exile, exile first in Babylon, then in Persia, all these different things are going to happen. Um, and so really God is preparing his people for there is going to be a time of punishment and there's going to be a time where war is really inescapable. Um, but after that, there is going to come a time of peace. And what we see in, in a lot of the historical books, and we're going to get to these later in the year, which I'm really excited to actually get to them because uh, I think we don't preach out of them very often. So I no, think not a lot, often. Yeah, a lot of people in the church, I think we don't ever uh, talk about them when they come up. And it's not because that they're uh, irrelevant to preach from. I just think it's when we think of grand scheme of things, everything a lot nowadays is a lot in series. Um, sure. And so, I mean, some churches do, I'm sure. And, and we may do it at one point too, because we try and take a book study every now and then, yeah. uh, at least once a year, I think we try and do that. So and, I digress. Yeah. And, th- and those are the books of, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah and Esther. They really talk about what happens with Israel after, mm-hmm. um, really uh, incredible books. Yeah. So, but anyways, the main thing I want us to keep in mind is that there is going to be a time of great war. And then when we're reading about this time of Isaiah, it's really this time of hopeful peace. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah go back from Persia into the land of Israel and they rebuild the wall. They begin to rebuild Jerusalem. Um, there's a lot of, um, things that Ezra does to really turn the people's affections back towards God. It's, it's really just this, this wonderful passage of scripture, I think, um, and the reason I think it's beautiful is because it's it's really a picture of God's people picking up the pieces um, after 
a really dramatic tragedy has happened after you know their cities are destroyed after they've been scattered in exile that they come back and then god in his mercy uh gives them a time of peace as well yeah and then uh one of the other books we're going to actually finish up today uh because this podcast is dropping on a sunday i mean just finishes today uh is the book of john we're going to be hitting john chapter 21 uh which is the very end uh of the book where uh talks about Jesus' resurrection. Uh, this is actually post-resurrection. It doesn't talk about the resurrection. It's post-resurrection. Uh, and I just thought it was a kind of a, a unique passage that is I, I've heard preached out of quite a bit, um, but it's I think contextually there's some things that, that are, are interesting to me to think about. Uh, and so I'm going to read this real quick and then share a couple thoughts. So uh, it says this in John chapter 21, verses 4 through 8. Uh, says when daybreak came this is the disciples at this point were on the boat fishing uh and peter james and john i believe were on the boat uh, and they're just back to the normal routine they were fishermen before jesus called them to be his disciples and followers uh, and so jesus had died uh, and they were back on the boat fishing it says when daybreak came jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not know it was jesus friends jesus called to them you don't have any fish do you no they answered cast the net on the right side of the boat he told them and you'll find some so they did, and they were able to haul. They were were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish, which just kind of parallels and alludes to a story that happened earlier on when Jesus first met and called Peter, who was then Simon, gets in a boat, has him push out to shore, and uh, they were coming in from not from fishing all all day, all night, and not catching anything. And Jesus says, "Hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat," and they hauled in a great multitude of fish. And so this, this passage alludes to a previous encounter with Jesus and Peter. Uh, it says, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we actually talked about this at the Q&A podcast about John, who is a beloved disciple, uh, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him for he had taken it off because he was working and he plunged into the sea. Uh, some say it dived, but plunge is kind of funnier because it's almost like he tripped over the boat and just fell in. But anyways, that's a different I don't imagine Peter is the, uh, the graceful diver. A little, a little klutzy, I think. Um, but it says he plunged into the sea. And since they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. Um, and I bring up this end passage because I think it's, it's kind of interesting and unique, um, to stop and think about for a minute. And I think it's, it's a really good practice sometimes to stop thinking about the entirety of the story and put ourselves into the context of scripture. And these disciples had not, did not know it was the Lord. Uh, it, it has the appearance they had yet to see him or really interact with him because they were back to their regular jobs before meeting Christ. Um, and when Jesus is on the shore, it's this incredible moment of, of alluding back to an encounter with Peter. They haul in fish, and in Peter's response, the moment he recognized it was Jesus, was he forsook one more time his job. He left his job at that moment when Jesus called him that in the previous passage of scripture in, in, in the New Testament there, or where Jesus called Peter. Uh, but he left it again. He said, I don't care about fish. I want to go spend time with Jesus. I want to, I want to learn. I want to be with Jesus again. Uh, and I just think it's interesting because um, the disciples, I mean, there was some heartbreak. There was some grieving. Jesus, who had they devoted their lives to for three and a half years, died. And they didn't know if he was going to be risen again. We see the scripture and we know that he was risen again, but they didn't know. And there had to be some heartache. There had to be some grieving. There had to be uh, going back to what I know. I don't know anything else but fishing. And so I need to make a living. I need to make ends meet. I need to do and provide or whatever. And and then there was this incredible encounter where Jesus shows up and 
and calls them once more. And, and Peter, again, his reckless abandon. Uh, and so I just think it's important to remember as we read scripture that we, they didn't have all the answers. They, they're human people who deal with human emotion and deal with human struggles. Um, and in the midst of the, the death of Christ and light of the resurrection of Christ, Peter uh, and John specifically, because that's who it calls as by name ish, because beloved disciples, not John, but has this, have this incredible moment where Jesus reveals himself in a very familiar way, which then causes them to then return and be reminded like, okay, everything I believed has come to pass and is true. So I just thought it was a cool, cool way to end the book of John as a, as a strategic way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, um, it's honestly like I would say it's one of like my top five favorite passages of the Bible. Um, but I think there's just something wonderful about the idea that um, it so much echoes the first time that Jesus called those disciples. Mm-hmm. And it's almost this idea of um, forget about how you messed up all these different things, but just remember that like, I'm calling you again. Um, and even in the situation with Peter, which we didn't get into uh, too much, like it's basically that like Peter denies him three times. Uh, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? It's really this, this passage about um, God calling imperfect people into ministry in a moment where they probably don't think that they're worthy of it. Yeah. So it's just a really cool thing. Um, the next thing I want to talk about was our highlight from first uh, Corinthians. And I wanted to talk about, I guess, the most famous chapter uh, in First Corinthians, but give it a John little John three sixteen. Yes, just uh, kidding. But give it a little bit of uh, of a different context and really talk about what it's talking about. Um, so in First Corinthians chapter twelve, we get this very long um, uh, section of the letter from Paul about how all of us as Christians have different spiritual gifts. And and he gives this analogy of a body, which I think is incredibly helpful, an incredibly helpful way of looking at the church. Um, but what he's saying is that all of us have our own parts to play. Um, and so some people are eyes, some people are legs, some people are arms, hands, you know, whatever, however you want to view it. Um, and I think that one of the things that I actually got to speak on this recently at our uh, Snohomish campus. So I, I have a lot of it fresh in my head, I guess. Um, but there is this idea that um, when one part of the body isn't doing what it's supposed to do, um, you can't function to your your full potential. Um, so if, and I use the example, for instance, if I woke up tomorrow um, and I couldn't see, well, I could still live. I could still do a lot of things. Yeah, I could still have a great long life, um, but um, I would never be able to reach, I guess, my bodily full potential. And I want to be careful saying that because obviously there's blind people who do incredible things. Um, but the idea is But that, they're limited. Yeah. And their experience, they're limited in their, in their vitality of life. Exactly. And it's not to be insensitive. It's just like it is what it is. Yeah, it's the reality of the situation. Um, and in the church, if members of the church aren't doing what they're really called to be doing, if they aren't exercising their spiritual gifts for the furtherment of God's kingdom, um, then in the same way the church even though it can survive and and be great, um, does not live up to the full potential of what it is. And so Paul goes on, he's describing all these different spiritual gifts. He's saying to some is given, you know, tongues or prophecy or healing, all these different things. He's saying we all have gifts to bring before uh, the throne of God and Mm -hmm. use to advance the kingdom of God. Really great passage. I love it. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, he really explains what matters more or what matters most, you could even say, than all the different gifts. And so he says, uh, starting in verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, 
I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, then I gain nothing. And, and he's talking about how it's so easy, I think, to get caught up in the gifts that we have or in seeking after different things that we don't actually take time to do what God has commanded us to do and what's most important. And so, and so for me, for instance, um, I love to teach the Bible. It's one of my, it's probably like the main passion, I guess, of like uh, my working life or whatever it is. It's just something that is very life giving to me. I love being able to do it. And it's, it's very easy for me to get lost in my love of doing that, that I forget to love people. And that the main thing that God has actually called us to do is to, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and I think what Paul's point is getting at is like you can be great at whatever it is, but if you don't have love, it's just it says like it's like a clanging symbol, or in other words, it's like a really annoying sound. If you get up in front of people um, and you just proclaim the truth, but people know that you're a jerk, or people know that you don't really care about them. Um, then at the end of the day, it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's a really um, it's a really interesting thing. And then Paul goes on to describe what love is, um, and this you've heard before if you've ever attended a wedding. Uh, it's the rest of the chapter, but I, I want us to read it today, not just in the context of you know marital love, um, which it, which it does apply to, yeah. but really talking about um, <clears throat> the idea of how can we love others even in the midst of of being the church. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like it even reveals, and obviously he's going to read it in a minute, but it even reveals the the motivation, like the heartbeat, like this is this is what love really does look like. Yeah, and so he says in in verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became a man i gave up childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face but then face to face now i know in part then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the grace of these is love. And I think there's kind of this, uh, it's a joke I've heard a lot of the times, but um, um, I, I would say like one of my spiritual gifts is just teaching, and I love being able to do it. Um, there will come a time when that's useless, and it won't <laughs> be needed again. When we all get to heaven, um, you're not going to need people to get up there and proclaim the glory of God, because the glory of God will be here in front of us, um, mm-hmm. proclaim the scripture because the truth will be revealed to us. Um, and so I'm going to have to find something else to do as far as like, as far as that goes. Dude, you're going to be uh, so caught up but, in who God is. That's right. True. Um, but, and this is the great reminder of Paul, all of these gifts are going to pass away. What we do now on this earth are not going to be necessary eventually in eternity, but what will remain is, is love. The love that God has for us, the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for God. Um, and it's so easy to get caught up in all these other things that we forget um, that thing, which is most important. Yeah. So good. And that, and that passage, and even again, it's, it's not to say that it shouldn't be in marriages because I think love is, the way that it defines love and depicts love is so incredible and extravagant and challenging 
Uh, but I also love it in the context of first Corinthians 12 and 13, uh, where it just talks about like the whole motivation for why God gives us what he gives us is love as its basis. And so, uh, such a good thing. Um, this week we're actually also going to be reading four different Psalms. Uh, and I want to take kind of a quick different spin on these Psalms instead of just highlighting one specifically. Um, really I I'm doing this because I was looking for one that wasn't a lament or, or crying out to God, but like a celebration, <clears throat> And I really couldn't find one this week. So the four Psalms we're going to read through are, are applicable and should be uh, read as such. But I want to kind of give you a little bit of context for why they're written the way they are. Uh, so as you read them this week, uh, my hope is that it'll give you a little bit more um, meat to the bone as you read these. And so uh, it's just a quick little snap, snapshot of it, but uh, I hope it helps a little bit. Uh, you know, Psalm 82 is, uh, I believe, the first Psalm we're going to read. Uh, and it's a Psalm that's just literally a community lament. Uh, it's it's a it's a group of people crying out to God um, in light of on behalf of people or individuals, and so uh, as you read it, that's what it is. It's a community that people would would this wouldn't just be an individual reading or reciting, but it would literally would be on behalf of these people. Uh, and so as you read it, that's kind of the heartbeat behind it. It's this community lament. Uh, Psalm thirty five. <clears throat> It's a pretty unique one because I, I think there's times where we know that there's people out to get us. Uh, there's malice. Uh, there's maliciousness. Uh, and so how do we pray in those regards? And Psalm 35 actually uh, carries with it this idea of this is how to pray when someone is seeking uh, to harm you, when someone who's malicious is seeking to deface or slander or harm you. Um, and it's it's the psalmist way of crying out to God, praying uh, and submitting in, in a very biblical um, manner in a very in a way that honors God that brings Him into the midst of your affliction. Uh, so I think that was a really uh, a unique one because sometimes like how am I supposed to pray for, to God with this individual? And I just want to pray God smite him, God strike him down and kill him. Um, it's not always the right way to pray, but there is a right, right way to pray. Speak right for way. yourself. Um, that's <laughs> that's fair. Okay, so um, and then you know Psalm fifty eight. Uh, this is <clears throat> again this is one that I think is applicable to us today and in this world that we live in because. Uh, the rulers that we uh, are submitted to, because that's what the Bible tells us to, are not always the most just or the most fair or the most righteous. Uh, and so Psalm 40 or 58 is, it, it in essence, says it should be sung when confronted with the injustice among their own rulers. Um, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be sung, but it is as we engage with the world, we engage because I do believe there is a responsibility as an American um, to engage in the political world. So get out and vote if you need to vote, if you're at voting age. Um, but it's as a Christian first, my job is to submit all of my my heart, all of my life, all of my rights and responsibilities to the Lord. Uh, but also at the same time, contend for the the the, the country I'm a part of. Um, total side note, uh, reading Jeremiah 29, where one of the passages is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, before that passage, there is, in Jeremiah 29, there is a section where God says, listen, pray for the the favor of the city, pray for the blessing, pray that it would thrive because as the city you are in thrives, which is Babylon, they're exiled, total different conversation, but it fits here. Then you will thrive and be blessed also. Uh, and so as, as Christians and Americans and, you know, maybe you're in a different country and that's okay too, but as you have uh, an allegiance and alignment to the country that you're a part of, there is a, some, something to be said that we need to be praying. Uh, but how do you deal with the injustice of, of rulers? I think Psalm 58 will give you an idea of that. Um, and then Psalm 102, uh, is, <clears throat> wow, I have kind of this rasp. It's if I'm getting what you got, Evan, no, I'm just kidding. I think you gave it to me first. Um, prove it. 
uh, the Psalm 102 would be the last Psalm we're going to read this week. Uh, and it literally is just this individual lament when afflicted, when we're facing issues or facing problems and we're afflicted and, and there's problems. It's, it's just a way to, uh, in essence, voice those concerns of lament before the Lord cry out to the God, uh, to, to the God, to God, uh, in the midst of our affliction. Yeah. And the final, uh, passage of scripture that we're going to talk about this week is actually in the, the book of Acts. And so, I wanted this week uh, to talk about a Bible character that we almost never talk about because he's in like one paragraph of the Bible and he's actually pretty important. And then we never speak about him again. Um, and I am talking about Matthias. Um, Matthias is um, ultimately the person chosen to replace Judas as one of the 12. Um, and, and there's a couple interesting questions that are, that are put forward here. Number one, um, the disciples clearly understood um, that there was some kind of symbolic importance behind having 12 apostles. Um, and obviously it marks the 12 tribes of Israel as well. The numbers match up and all those different things. But there's an understanding that after Judas um, does what he does, uh, he, there there needs to be someone to take his mm-hmm. place among the 12, which, which is a really interesting thought. The other interesting thing that it brings up, and we talked about this actually in the, the Q&A question, is that there were other disciples besides the 12 who were with Jesus from the beginning. And the reason we know this is because um, one of the, I guess you'll call it the qualifiers of choosing someone, is that it is someone who had been with us. Um, Peter says, uh, so one of the men who has accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken from us, one of these men must become a witness to his resurrection. And the idea is, it's someone who was with Jesus for this incredibly long time. So that's something we don't talk about very often, that there's other disciples besides the 12, um, but that the 12 are really this kind of— Heresy. I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, there's kind of these deep, this deeper relationship that Jesus has with those 12. The other interesting thing that I think is really important to talk about is that the precursor to being a disciple or being one of the apostles is that you are a witness to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I think that sometimes that gets lost on us, mm-hmm. um, that— um, and we actually just had a, a really great staff day um, listening to uh, Andy Stanley give a talk about his new name book. drop. Yeah, name drop. You know, I was a hundred feet away, but anyway, um, no. But he was he, he was sharing his thoughts on his new book, which is which is really interesting and is some really great conversation to wrestle through. Um, but one of the thoughts of it, which I thought was really important for us today as modern Christians, is that remember that the church originally was not based upon you know the bible as a whole because it hadn't been written yet um particularly the new testament i would say here um what these disciples preached and died for and planted churches about was the reality that i knew this man who claimed to be the son of god he yeah. predicted his own death and resurrection and he did it and i'm here to tell you this is what he said um and that's really what's all predicated about and so mm-hmm. in order to be one of the 12 apostles you had to be a witness to this because that's what we were going around proclaiming um and that's not to diminish the bible because the bible is incredible and i love yeah. um all of the incredible things that it says and we wouldn't know really the story i guess if it wasn't for the words in the bible but i think sometimes we can um separate the event from the book mm-hmm. a little bit and remember that um this was a this was a life changing thing that had happened yeah. that Jesus died and rose again that he said it was going to happen and it went down and then he ascended and he said basically he proved I am God and then he said here is how you can be saved and the disciples were like 
that's incredible. And what else can we do but go into the world and tell everyone what happened? <coughs> um, and ultimately, all the disciples, except for John, are killed for the messages they bring, but they really go into all of the world. Um, tradition tells us that you know Thomas made it to India, which is an incredible thing to think about. Um, and actually, the, Matthias, again, he's mentioned in this chapter and then never again um, in the New Testament. But tradition comes down to us as conflicting, but he either died in Judea, uh, which is basically the same place that James, the brother of John, will have died, uh, but in Israel is what we would call it. Or um, a law of tradition actually says that he goes to Ethiopia hmm. and he uh, ministers to the gospel there, which is obviously very far away. Um, it's just this really beautiful picture about a life-changing event that obviously changed these men's lives and, the, and they go into the world and they preach um, literally until their dying breath, the incredible good news of Jesus. And that is one of the requirements to be counted among them is that you have to see this and you have to go and you have to tell people about what happened. Well, uh, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. Um, if you would like uh, to check out all of our other resources and podcasts, you can visit our website at grove.church.